Hello, and welcome to Science Unscripted. It's Connor here. And Gabe. And we've got an email at the top of the show from Gus, Gus the Paperboy. Gabe, when introducing yourself at the beginning of your program, you don't seem to be asserting your identity, personality, or presence by speaking so abruptly and quietly. Be proud. Impress your mom and your fans, of which I am one. Make your mark as Connor's teammate. Get out there. Should we Gus the paper boy? Okay, hold on here. Should we practice? Or like can, we do, can we do the top again? So it usually goes like this. Hello and... Well, now I'm faking it. Hello and welcome to Science Unscripted. It's Connor here. And Gabe. <laughs> that was really powerful. And Gabe. Yeah. I'm, again? You think that... Imp- and Gabe. And Gabe. <laughs> Gabe. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Would that impress my mom? I, 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 I kind of like that little end game. I, I we can just, flip I, it I up. I like being in the background. We can flip it up. I guess we, we got in the routine of like, me always no, no, doing no. it. I, I, like, I like exactly the way it is, but I, I thank you to Gus for, for pointing that out and saying that he's a fan. That's pretty cool. Well, I know we, Gus has been in touch for a while now. He's one of our longest, loyal, most loyal listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, it's, it's a nice letter of encouragement. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, that wraps up our emails. Um, just a little science here at the end that is connected to some of the other things that, um, yeah, we're paying attention to at the moment. And this is language. And language, in this particular case, it's a study out of the U.S. state of Iowa, where they were trying to figure out to what extent people could understand spoken words. Uh, what kind of people? Uh, homo sapiens i i, I assume no, the extent to which we can understand spoken words how quickly can you process that information oh how quickly okay right yeah in some ways i remember it uh, watching a clip from the physicist richard feynman who feynman? Yeah. was saying that when we use words it's it's like i'm trans i have an image in my head i use a word to try to convey it and then you translate it into your brain there's some there's a delay there's well, a we lag. all have concepts in our brain right and these things we learned them a long long time ago we've attached concepts to those things that they were in, they were initially probably sensual perceptions and then we understood them when we categorized them with these concepts inside our head with words attached to them right his his the, the larger argument is that you might think we're speaking the same language, but every every communication is an act of translation, even if it's in the because same language. Because we've all learned those concepts differently. We have a different image. Yeah. So in this particular study, they were kind of looking at how, when we're deciphering that, this linguistic content, uh, how, how that changes over time. How quickly can we do it? And what is the age frame? What, what kind of words are we talking about here? Single words. So the example, and I'm taking this straight from the press release, because it's, it, I mean, I looked through the study, but this is the one that was the best. Um, they had a target word on the screen, yeah. and in this case, it was sandal. Sandal. And then they had pictures, and I th- one of the pictures might have been a sandal, yeah. but another one was a sandwich, and the other sandwich. one was a candle. So <sighs> sandal, and you've got sandwich, candle, right? It. it takes a second for you to wait there. Um, mm-hmm. And so they're kind of intentionally slowing you down to see how long that lag takes. See, my initial, do, do you want to know what the, the, the image that popped up in my head when you said sandal? Sure. Adam Sandler. Are you serious? I'm not kidding. I was thinking of a Roman sandal that goes up your, like, all the way up your calf. No, it was the movie Billy Madison. That was the first thing that popped up, and him putting that sunscreen on. <laughs> See, it's a translation. It really is translation. Roughly 100 participants, so not that many people, but aged 11 to almost 80. 
And the takeaway is that you get slower and slower as you age, but the age of about 40, in your 40s, that's the critical point. So up until about 40. Oh, I just turned 40. What happens at, at that point? You start getting slower. Huh. And you slow, you keep getting slower and slower <laughs> and slower. I mean, it's not that extreme. I think it's something from a fifth of a second slower at recognizing spoken words, like if you're in your 70s, as compared to someone in their 40s. Now, the fastest are the people in their 20s and 30s. And I think what's interesting about this research is, one, this whole process of slowing down happens later than they thought. 40s is, is a nice age. You can kind of be okay with that, slowing down a little bit in your 40s. But also the question is, why is that the case? Yeah, what, why is that? So there's obviously the, the physical or the motor skills, or the, they did this with eye tracking software. And so it shouldn't have been the case that they, were, you know, you need, they needed their finger, their digit to go pluck the screen. It was eyes and fingers. Um, one of the theories they're examining is whether this is connected to how social you are. How often you are engaging with human beings on a daily basis. And then you're, you're training your brain then to react fast because the faster you react, the more, the better it is for conversing with other people or interacting with other people. Exactly. That, that, that may be a part of it. Um, the other aspect of it, or one other theory, again, these are just theories, is that perhaps your vocabulary isn't as large. I don't find this one as, as convincing, but maybe your vocabulary at age 20 isn't as large as it is at age 40 and beyond. And you have fewer concepts to sort through to <laughs> yeah. figure out yeah, if, what sandal means? Yeah, if it's an algorithm to sift through all that data, if you've got a vocab active vocabulary, I don't know, of 20,000 words versus 40,000 or hundreds of thousands of words to go through, yeah. that has to take longer in some way. Now, I don't know if that holds true for a word like sandal. It's not like I'm parsing through all sorts of you know, other words to try to identify what that means. Yeah. It's just one of the ideas. And the study, it wasn't the point to solve it. It was actually... It was just to determine it, I guess. It was to determine it, yeah. It was an extension of... What they're actually doing is tracking school children to see how they're doing with language identification, identification word identification, and then they extended it to this larger group, and they can see the drop-off. So it's something to be aware of that if you're forced in this very specific situation, to react to words, uh, it, it takes longer. And the other thing people like us think mm -hmm. about or I think about is then if you're listening to a podcast, if you're listening to audio, it may take longer as you age to make sense of it. Yeah, It's strange, but that appears to be true, at least a fifth of a second longer. So what is, that, what is the tip for people listening right now is if you, if you don't understand us, it's because you're too old? So it's down to 50% of speed. and or, then or, we should, can... or should we speak more slowly? No. For whom? For, <laughs> I, I think... for our seasoned listeners out there? No, we've got, we've got emails coming in saying that we, we're doing it just right, Gabe. Okay. Or at least, well, one that you, you should, uh, you know, maybe introduce yourself more powerfully, but I think that's a separate, separate yeah. issue for next time. Okay. All right, Connor. Well, thanks a lot for that study. That's, uh, yeah, it's uplifting. Not really, but I, I, again, if, if you're going to find out negative things about yourself as you age, I think you can do it with much more grace if you know it's a fact. It's well, coming. That's a nice tip that you, the one way to, to counteract it is to, is to hang out with people. More. Possibly. That's good. Possibly. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Keep social. Being social. We are social animals, most of us, you know, to, to varying extents. If you have any questions, any other thoughts on that part of language, that idea, or, or maybe any suggestions, especially in the form of an audio message. We love those. You can attach them via email yeah. of how Gabe should introduce himself in the future. You, you guys can tell us any, just write anything you, that on your uh, mind, anything. Yeah, it doesn't actually, matter what yeah. it is. We'll, we'll, we'll read it. We'll love, we'll love to hear it. <laughs>
<laughs> SU at DW.com. In the studio with us today to talk to us about language, phonetic beauty, what sounds good, which we're going to be talking about for a couple of minutes here, is our DW colleague, Kerti Bot. Kerti, thank you for joining us. Hey, Kerti. Hi, Gabe. Hi, Connor. Thank you for having me. And Kerti, you, um, you're with us for a week. You're kind of seeing how audio production works behind the scenes. And Gabe and I, uh, because we're looking into the topic of languages, we decided to mercilessly well, use you for yeah, our okay. own purposes. with the Hindi department, right? Yeah. Yeah. I work mostly for the Hindi department, also sometimes for uh, Asia English. Mm -hmm. But most of my work is with Hindi. And you were asking uh, some of your Indian colleagues, what is the most beautiful language in India? Or how, exactly. How did this, what, what, did, what did you ask them? Yeah. Uh, so I created a survey, uh, which was uh, online mostly. And I asked people to just tell uh, if they found any language was better sounding than the others and uh, which language was that. And it was mostly the I was talking about the Indian languages because how, I want how, how many are there in India? How many different languages? Oh, yeah, that is a very difficult question. Um, there are 121 languages which are spoken by more than 10,000 people. And there are 22 official languages. Um, okay, so 22 official languages spoken in India. Yeah. And 120 spoken by at least 10,000 people or more. Yeah. That's a lot of different languages. Yeah. And of course, you weren't, in your survey, you weren't asking about all of these languages. Or were you? Or what, what were you doing? I just asked them if they fi found a language beautiful and which was that, if uh, if they did. Well, put us, put us through your survey. Any language. Yeah. That's the, put we're, put we're us gonna, through your survey. We're going to recreate a little bit of it here yeah. by listening to, I believe, I haven't heard these. You have a couple of clips yes. of some of the languages from India. Yes. And we're going to listen to these clips. And then Gabe, you and I, and hopefully our listeners out there as well, we'll, we'll just figure out which one we think is the most beautiful. And then we'll see if that lines up with your survey. Bonner Abhava, Akon Bish Megla, Brishti. বেশ পূজো পূজো ভাব ভালোই লাগছে কিন্তু বাড়ির কথা খুব মনে পড়ছে এই সময় বাড়িতে সবাই মিলে একসাথে পূজোর জন্য কেনাকাটি করতে বেরোই ওকে সো দ্যাট ওয়াজ নাম্বার 1 হাউ মানি ডু উই হ্যাভ টোটাল উই হ্যাভ ফাইভ ল্যাঙ্গুয়েজেস ওকে লেটস গো স্ট্রেট ইনটু ইম হ্যাঁ ইয়া মেরনা দো কেরলাতনান নমড প্রধানম উৎসবম ওনমান ওনম নমড নাটনে ওকে সো আই অলরেডি হ্যাভ এন অপিনিয়ন at least we we've had two of five between the the so do I, this is the first time i've ever done this heard a foreign language and tried to assess its beauty, beauty. which one spontaneously did, I, i like the first one better than the second i one. I, did, i did too yeah, yeah. then right, it's, let's get on to number three. okay kisi bhi zuban ki khoobsurti ka inhisar is baat par hota hai ki wo padhne mein kaisi lagti hai aur usko samajhkar insaan kitna acha mehsoos karta hai oh wow i like that too did you yeah not my favorite huh staccato it was it was fast and the, it felt like the first one was more fluid like a violin 
as opposed to a um there was a, a nice timbre in his voice though maybe that that's that was clouding my judgment <laughs> that aspect see i was wondering if my own judgment was biased because i preferred the the, the woman's voice to his voice yeah anyway okay uh, number four. कई लोग जैसे आप धन्यवाद इन दिनों क्या चल रहा है कि जैसे आपने कहा किसी को धन्यवाद एंड शी वाज स्पीकिंग हिंदी इंटरेस्टिंग ओके एंड द लास्ट क्लिप नंबर 5 जर्मनीले தற்போது பனிகாலம் வந்து கூடிய விரைவில் வர போகுது இரண்டு வாரங்களுக்கு முன்பு வந்து இந்த காலநிலை மாற்றம் வந்து who i'm i'm between number 1 and number 5 yeah i'm going to go with 3 3 was my favorite and 1 was my second favorite and 5 was my third favorite i'm going with 1 i'm like 2 and 4 i'm going with 1 okay so you didn't just ask us you asked how many different people in the end with your survey uh there were about 180 people who answered the survey and uh, it was actually in the sequence in which people liked the language the first was uh, bangla or bengali second was malayalam which is a language coming from uh, south of india in the state called kerala and uh, third was urdu fourth was hindi which is most widely spoken but was not chosen as the most loved language and uh, the fifth one was tamil which is spoken in south of india all right can i just say thank you very very much kerdi for conducting a, a pretty decent study <laughs> i mean recreating aspects of a study that we're about to get into in just a minute here but thank you for doing this on our behalf and for our listeners to to kind of experience a part of your country in a way I've gave us in this earlier. I've never experienced it that way. And certainly to hear those different sounds that was great. Thank you so much. Thank you Kerdy. Yeah, so Gabe take it us away. Great. Last thing we got to do before you leave Kerdy, we're going to whom now? We are going to speak to a linguistics researcher uh, at Lund University in Sweden. He's just with his team done a study on that very question. Is there a language out there that sounds more beautiful than the rest? Are there phonetic components that are universally more beautiful? Well, let's see. Let's speak to him now. <laughs> His name is Nicholas Erben Johansson from Lund University. Science unscripted. All right. So my name is Nicholas Erben Johansson. Uh, I'm a postdoc at Lund University in Sweden, and uh, I work mainly on, I'm a linguist, but I work mainly on cognitive linguistics, so how things work in the brain, at least how we think it works. And I have recently, with some colleagues, done a study about our perception about how languages sound like. Nicholas, briefly, as briefly as possible, how did you conduct your experiment? So, basically... We found a movie that was dubbed into a lot of languages. We uh, took out clips of different speakers from that uh, movie uh, from, from each language, and we played them to a bunch of participants online from three participant groups, English speakers, Semitic speakers, so Hebrew and Arabic, and Chinese speakers, so different, different types of uh, Chinese dialects. They rated them according to how nice they thought and uh, they, uh, they sounded the different languages. It, what was the movie? How great is God, exalted in power, majestic above all. <laughs> well, it's 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 a movie about Jesus because we found it on this uh, I guess some sort of missionary site or something, but it was open and 
I'm just going to ask the question that I think all of our listeners want to ask. What is the most beautiful language on planet Earth, Nicholas? So if, if we assume that the about 200 languages we tested in our study is representative of the whole world, which consists of about six or 7,000 languages, then it would be English. But the reason is not because that English is very pretty. It's basically because people tend to be familiar with it or have heard it a lot. So it's very convenient to, uh, or it's very easy on the ears because we already know it, basically. Okay, so if English is not the prettiest language on earth, then what is? <clears throat> we, we know more about what people kind of dislike, in a sense. But when it comes to sounds and voices... We know that people really prefer female voices. They prefer uh, breathy voices. So when you talk a bit like this, uh, and uh, when it comes to sounds, people seem to like uh, when there isn't any tones. And by tones, I mean as in, for example, Mandarin Chinese, you have a lot of tones, a lot of East Asian languages, also a lot of African and American languages. So when you have tones on basically every word, people don't like that for some reason. So if musically a language is going up, down, up, down, down and with lots of different tones and, pos I don't know, clicks, various sounds, mm. people don't like that as much as something that's kind of smooth and flowing. In a sense, yes, but there's, it's a bit more complicated because my, my own native tongue, which is Swedish, uh, has a very limited tone system. And people usually say that, no, sorry, that uh, Swedish sounds very... Um, uh, sing songy when we speak. Can you tell me in a sentence or two what you ate for breakfast? But can you tell me in, in Swedish? And then can you tell me which parts of that Swedish sing songy rhythm people like or don't like? I måste så åt jag två smörgåsar till frukost. På dem så hade jag ost. Och till det hade jag ett stort glas juice och lite filmjölk. So, I don't know, was that perceived as sing-songy to you? I, it, I wouldn't have called it sing-songy. It was like... I don't know what that is. Well, for me, but, I, for me, I loved it. I, th I thought it was very beautiful, because, but I'm, I'm probably biased because I'm Norwegian. I know a little bit. I know... So, because I'm familiar with what I just heard, does that make me biased? Uh, yes, and especially as a Norwegian, because Norwegians have the tones as well, or this limited tone system. But I couldn't tell you exactly why people find it beautiful or easy to listen to. Uh, but it probably has to do, again, with this, um, how frequent you have these uh, shifts in pitch, basically. If you have it all the time, it's overpowering. If you have none of it, it's kind of neutral. So it really does activate something with, uh, in the listener's brain. Before we conducted this interview, Connor and I, we heard clips of Indian languages. And mm. 
the question that I had going through my mind when we listened to those clips is I, I had never done that before. I'd never heard a foreign language before and had to assess its beauty spontaneously. Mm. What is beauty in language? What are we looking for? I guess, in a sense, we do look for things that we can grasp. So if, if, if it's something where it's quite easy to parse, we will like it a bit more, even if we're familiar or not familiar with it, because that makes it easier, because communication is all about being lazy. It's about having, finding a way how to communicate the most amount of information with the least effort. That's what drives languages to change, uh, and that's what drives uh, language to evolve as well. Something which seems very easy to perceive, even if you don't understand it or not. And that could be, for example, some of these prosodic things or pitch things, like uh, having tones once in a while, or having maybe very simple syllables. So a consonant vowel, consonant vowel, or something, instead of having consonant, 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 consonant vowel, or something like that, because it's very complex. I have to ask about the French language, because I feel like that is the language most referenced, at least by English speakers, is the most beautiful language. And it kind of contradicts what you've just said, which is why I have to ask it, because I can't understand a lick of it. It's one flowing, it's like water flowing. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend anyone who's listening who speaks French. I find it beautiful. And yet I don't think I can cut it up into chunks of music either. Pourquoi, man? Uh, yeah. Why? So what's, <laughs> what is going on there? Is that, is that some historical reference since uh, French used to be, you know, the all-powerful language that everyone spoke? It was an intellectual language. Is there something going on there? Or is there something objectively beautiful about the French language? I think that the, the majority of the reasons why French is perceived this way is historical. Uh, because it had such a prominent uh, position in the world for such a long time. Uh, because also if you think about which sounds it has, it has a lot of nasal sounds, it also has the very distinctive R sound, like a R. Uh, but I mean, German has a very similar R sound, but it's perceived as not so beautiful, generally. You can say it, Nicholas. You can go ahead and say it. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and say it. German yes. is considered <laughs> one of the harshest, ugliest languages in the world, right? No best minds on a yeah. child. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's also how you say it, but... <laughs> Gabe just said, you're, you're, you're my sunshine, which is actually a beautiful statement, yes. but in a very ugly tone. Um, yeah, sorry, go on. I interrupted you, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and I have the same situation with my dialect of Swedish, which is from the south of Sweden, where we also have a R instead of a R, for example. And that's usually considered uh, not so nice, but by some people very charming. So there's always a trade-off. But, but to get back to your, get back to your question... Um, about French, I think that the majority is historical reasons. Uh, and I also think that it's uh, evidence of uh, some sort of Eurocentricity here, because obviously French and German has a really big part of uh, European history, and that has been imposed throughout the world uh, through, I mean, you know, cultural influence from certain parts more than other parts. Uh, and then, then that becomes like a norm. Yes, French is great and it's beautiful, but it's more. It seems to be more of a construction that it is beautiful because people say it's beautiful rather than that people actually think it when they compare it to something. And that was Nicholas Erben Johansen from Lund University, speaking to us. Yeah, giving us a long 
deluge on the beauty of language. And kind of agreeing with us on on our when we when we riffed on or made fun of the German language a little bit. He laughed. Yeah. yeah. And I feel the need here to um, to walk that back a little. Because I think the German language has a very, very poor reputation abroad, partially because of the, of the kinds of movies people watch about German, Germany, about German history. There's a lot of loud yelling in those. And I think one surprise for a lot of people who come to this country and hear actual German for the very first time, it's way softer. It's a much softer language than you might expect. And there is some beauty to it, especially in a sound that I had, hadn't paid much attention to before. It was the sound, the CH sound. Ich. It's really, be- it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's like an ice, it's like an ice skate going across ice. It's really nice. And I think the best example of it that most of you might be familiar with is in the first couple lines of uh, the first verse of one of Germany's most famous musical export songs. This is uh, 99 Red Balloons, I think was the English translation. But 99 Luftballons. Yeah, and this is the German version, and I want you to listen for that Nena, Nena, right? Nena, that yeah. ich, or that ich sound. It comes up a couple of times right in the first verse. Lots of those sounds in there that I really like in the German language. So, yeah, if you're ever coming this way, it's a softer language than you might expect. Yeah. I feel as though I should um, provide some examples of why I like German <laughs> language at this point. But You don't have to do that. You can read... Well, we have, a, we have a, an email in, in, in the German language, Gabe, and there was a word in there in particular that it was, it's connected to what we just talked about. This is a, a brand new listener. She got in touch last week, and um, let me just read the email here from Britta. Hallo Connor. Hallo Gabe. Auf der Suche nach einer Möglichkeit, mein Englisch zu verbessern, bin ich auf euren Podcast gestoßen. Okay, so she's saying to improve her English, she found our podcast. She's using it for that purpose. All right, and then she goes on. Ich war sofort Feuer und Flamme. <laughs> I, <laughs> da, da es absolut kurzweilig ist, euch zuzuhören. So, Einerseits natürlich... Hold, sorry, hold on. I don't know how to translate. Feuer und Flamme. I was fire and flames. I think that in English that... And hold on, she says so forth. So right away, I was fire and flames when she heard us. What's the translation for that? I was, um, I was blown away. Blown away. Blown away. Well, blown, let's go with blown away. But in German, keep keep in mind it's Feuer and Flamme, fire and flame. <laughs> and then, and now we get to why. Hold on here, Connor, du sprichst für mich das wohlklingendste Englisch überhaupt. <laughs> yes. Right. I'm, yes. Okay. So she's saying. Um, that my English is for her the best the, sounding. The word, the word wohl klingend, right? So klingen is to make a sound. A bell clings, it, it makes a sound. And wohl is like a, 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 a soft form of beauty. Your voice is literally beautiful sounding. Yeah. The sound of beauty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just listen to it. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what to say there. It's a really huge compliment, and it was such a huge compliment that we were talking about it for a while in the context of this research. Well, the only reason we're reading this email right now is that this study comes out on the beauty of language, and then I believe you wrote to Britta to ask her what exactly it was specifically about the sound of the beautiful sound of your 
yeah. voice. And that- she, yeah, she went on to say in that second email is she, what she likes about it is the quote unquote perceived freedom from accents or of accents that it's kind of accentless. Britta, thank you for that very nice compliment and for paying attention to language. Yeah, and I guess uh, the, for the people listening to this broadcast right now, I, I just read a bunch of German. Britta's German. Uh, what did that sound like? I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if you have absolutely no idea. Well, oh, I guess we explained no, what we, she was saying, but we we have a decent number of German listeners. I've seen that in the data. We have quite a few who are listening from Germany and who are going to probably. Be like, you did not pronounce that word correctly, Mr. Gabriel Port. <laughs> can see those emails coming in. Now, what do you think about language? What's your favorite, uh, least favorite? Have, have, have those opinions changed over time? Yeah, and, and why? I think the, the big question here is why. What is it when you hear a language, and it doesn't happen that often, but when it does happen that you hear a language that you have no idea where it comes from or what it is, what, what are you looking for? If one sounds better than the other, why is that? And did anything that Nicholas Erben Johansen said today make sense? SU at DW.com. Science unscripted. DW made for minds.